Do you want victory? You can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder and executive director of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. I'm going to ask that we start with just a word of prayer. So if you'd please bow with me. Father, I'm so grateful for what you have done. And I pray that as we give testimony tonight, looking back over the last 30 years, that you would be the one who is glorified. We thank you so much for your amazing grace. We thank you for your Father's heart for your children. And we thank you for making us part of a family that spans all the generations and that reaches all around the world. I pray now that in these moments together, you would be glorified, and we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, we were asked if we would do a little reflecting on uh, what, what God has, has done here, and uh, that's the emphasis of what we want to share. And so if you've read A Place to Call Home and you remember the details, that's it. <laughs> now, <clears throat> actually... Um, Oh, there was another book after that, and, and there will probably be another book after that. But um, I, I just want to emphasize, we talked a little bit about what, what we want to share, and in a moment I'm going to pass this microphone to her and turn the one I'm wearing on. But, um, but I, I want to start out by hogging the microphone and, and, and telling you that uh, when I first met Susan, I fell in love with her, before I saw her, I heard her sharing a testimony of what God was doing in her life, and there's much more to this story. But the bottom line is, where I was seated, I couldn't see her. I could just hear her. And I was so impressed with what I was hearing that I began trying to lean forward, <laughs> lean backwards to see around this object that was blocking my view so that I could see who this wonderful Christian is. And when I saw her, I was very pleased. <laughs> because if, if I had not seen something resembling this lady, I, I would have probably thought, well, God bless her. <laughs> but, but instead, having fallen in love with the person who loves Jesus so much, when I saw what she looked like, I thought, I hope she's the one I marry. And so um, I introduced myself after the meeting was over. And she remembers that evening, but she doesn't remember meeting me. <laughs> and that, that's the honest truth. That's the honest truth. She met a whole bunch of people that evening. I was starring in the, uh, well, I was the male lead. But from my perspective, I was starring in, in The Sound of Music. In, in a little theater production of The Sound of Music in Montreat, and we 3,000-seat auditorium, we used to get great crowds, and people would come back week after week to see it because we were that good. And um, in any case, uh, 
there were a lot of people who recognized me at the conference center because of the sound of music. And, and people would say, you're Jim Wood, aren't you? So I thought when I introduced myself to her, since she worked at the conference center, and I said, hi, I'm Jim Wood, that that would have some sort of, you know, cachet to it. Nothing. Nothing whatsoever. Not even a dim recollection the next week. Okay? So the next week, in the providence of God, it was my turn to teach the Bible study, and she had been discussing with a friend that afternoon uh, Romans chapter 8 and some of the things she found and her friend found challenging. I had no idea about that, but God led me to teach on Romans 8 that night, and she remembered that, okay? We began to get to know each other, and I thought, she is really great. I really want to marry somebody like this. Um, what do you plan on doing after college? And she said, I plan on going to the foreign mission field. My heart sank. Because I had prayed about going to the foreign mission field, and God had said, no, your ministry is going to be primarily here. So I thought, well, maybe it's just, you know, some vague idea about going to foreign missions. I said, any particular country? She said, uh, yes, Lebanon. So, I mean, it was like, I might as well give up. Because if she's going to Lebanon, I'm not. And so I said to her, well, I realize I'll probably never see you again. But I want you to know that I'm really glad I got to meet you because I think God's going to do great things with your life. And she heard, I can tell that you're interested in me, and I just want to let you down easy. I'm never going to see you again. <laughs> and, and that has been kind of the paradigm of our communication <laughs> through all these years of marriage, decades of marriage. Uh, we think we know what the other person said, but we don't always get the drift. So when subsequently, I couldn't stop thinking about her, and I got her to agree to go on a hike with me. As we were hiking, I said to her, have you ever felt called, or I said, how long have you felt called to the foreign mission field? She said, I've never felt called to the foreign mission field. I said, I thought you were planning on going to Lebanon. She said, I am. I said, well, why would you do it if you're not called? She said, because Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. And there's a tremendous need in Lebanon, and I think that's a place where my gifts could be used. So unless the Lord shows me otherwise, that's what I'm planning on doing after college. Glimmer of hope <laughs> enters the scene. And I said, well, um, have you ever felt called by God to do something special with your life? She said, yes, I felt for some years now that someday I'm supposed to have a home for children. Now there are violins playing. And I said, really? I said, I can relate to that. In fact, you might enjoy reading the paper I wrote my freshman year in college about the fact I believe God wants me to have a children's home someday. And she said, well, I'd like to. And you might enjoy reading the paper I wrote my freshman year in college about the fact I believe God wants me to have a children's home someday. The rest is history. Now, we thought after we got married a year later that we would soon be starting a children's home. God knew better, much better we were in no wise ready to have a children's home at that point. We thought we were. We were young, energetic, and very bright. <laughs> and humble. Did I mention humble? And God, in his mercy, delayed us and took us on the right road, doing his will in situation after situation, wondering when is it going to take place. And 
as we tell the story of what God did to bring us here to literally give us a multi-million dollar piece of property for the purpose of having a children's home, all the things that transpired, the stories I enjoy the most are the ones that make it very clear, we did not do this. We did not pull this off. This is God's doing. It is His ministry. He's the one who accomplished it. And time after time, God anticipated what we needed way before we did and made the arrangements before we even knew to ask. And so when we announced to the church in Atlanta that we were going to be starting a children's home up in Tennessee, a family in the church came to us and said, we want to build the first house. And I said, that is wonderful. Thank you so much. And I did zero follow-up. Now, if you're an effective leader, what you do at that point is you send a letter. That was on a Sunday. You send a letter on Monday, and the letter says, Dear Joe and Sarah, thank you so much for your commitment to build the first house. I will be meeting with you to go over the budget details. I didn't even say thank you, except in person that day. A few weeks later, Joe came to me and he said, uh, listen, um, when I told you that we want to build the first house, I was really serious. We want to do that. I said, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. No follow-up still. The third time he spoke to me about it, he said, look, what do we have to do to build the first house? Okay? Now, again, I, I don't tell you that to say this is my ingenious undersell. Okay? I'm telling you, God is the one who put it in the hearts of the various people across the years to do what needed to be done. And Susan and I, loving the Lord and loving each other, have just watched in amazement at what God has done. While the first house was under construction, a precious young couple in Atlanta asked to meet with me. And I went to their home and the husband said, if you had the money to build a second home, would you do it? And I said, yes. And I'm summarizing. And he said, well, we believe God wants us to pay for the second home. Now, folks, that's the way I like to fundraise. <laughs> See, God is the advance team. He goes to people. He puts it on their hearts. And I just come around and get the checks. All right? And I want you to know, God has been faithful over and over through these decades, not only to provide, but to do it in such a way that we just keep saying, wow, isn't God great? Isn't God great? And God has brought the right people, not just the funding, but he's brought the right people to work in the various things that need to be done. We wanted to have a, a tennis program here. A guy who had coached Martina Navratilova, Yvonne Lendl, and John McEnroe called on the phone said I couldn't sleep, and I turned on Christian radio to put me to sleep. <laughs> For those of us in Christian radio, that speaks volumes. <laughs> and he said, I turned on Christian radio to put me to sleep in the middle of the night, and he said, and I heard a rebroadcast of an interview that Jay Sekulow did with you. And God 
I'd been praying that God would show me what he wanted me to do, and I realized God wants me to help you. Would you be willing for me to develop a tennis program for your, cam uh, for your camp? He mentioned the camp. And I said, yes, definitely. I said, we've been praying that God would send us someone to do that. And he said, really? Well, how many tennis courts do you have? And I said, we don't have any tennis courts. <laughs> and he said, well, usually you have the tennis courts before you get a tennis pro. And I said, yes, but it is much easier to get tennis courts than it is to get the right tennis pro. Well, again, he was God's provision, and he blessed the ranch in many, many ways. God has done that kind of thing through the years, and one of the things he did was to give us our children, who have blessed us more than they know. Seven kids, and we love every one of them, and we are so thankful for the way that God has used them to invest in this ministry and to be an example of God's grace. And then they've given us a bunch of grandkids, 12 grandkids, all precious. But I would not have been able to have any of these children or grandchildren without this lady right here, who has also written all the books that say by Jim Wood. So um, I, I just want to say I owe her. She, she started the school. She put everything in place, I mean, et cetera. So I just want you to know, this lady right here is the epitome of a biblical helpmate. She's a great wife, great mom, and the most loved grandmom in East Tennessee. Okay? Maybe in, in the whole of the United States, I don't know. But anyway, I'm going to ask her if she'll share what's on her heart for a few minutes, and then I'll come back and talk some more, hopefully. Just for the record, I should have written notes, because now I've gotten into what he was saying. Um, I find it quite interesting that now we have grandchildren who take up more than an entire pew in the, in the sanctuary. We have two that aren't in the row here, and they're filling it already. So uh, um, I would like to say that we are extremely grateful for all of you it's a wonderful thing to get to come toward the end of your life and look back and see how God has orchestrated all of this. Amen. And I, I, when I was a young person, really young, and I wanted to have a children's home because I felt God had put it on my heart, it was like he spoke to me and said, this was something he wanted me to do. I immediately knew who my husband was going to be. It was, it, we, we knew within 48 hours of having met each other that we were going to get married. It was just when. So we spent a total of six weeks in each other's presence before we were married. Okay? We wrote letters for a year back in the day when you actually had to write letters. We could not afford phone bills. We were both in college, 2,000 miles apart. So we wrote letters to each other, and we really got to know each other well as a result. But um, the fact that we... I, I thought I was marrying a guy who felt called of God to start a children's home, and it was like, how many years? 15 years before we even heard about the possibility of doing that. I had to keep kind of saying to him, um, when are we going to do this? How is this going to happen? I did not know I was marrying a pastor when I got married. And, um, I didn't know either. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'll just tell you, when God called him into the pastorate, after we were married and God called him into the pastorate, I've never, ever 
before or since seen him cry that much. I mean, our first child was born with multiple birth defects and had to have lots and lots of surgeries, but he did not cry as profoundly as when God told him he wanted him to pastor because he grew up as a pastor's son. He knew what that entailed, and he did not want to subject his children to it. So um, it's been an amazing journey, and I want to tell you, it feels in some ways like it's been a long time. In other ways, it feels like it's been about three weeks, okay? Um, All of us have very, very small roles for very short periods of time in a huge God-ordained production, okay? Most of us live our lives feeling like we're the center of the universe, especially when we start out our lives as young people. We feel like everything is here for us and it's going to function for us. The sooner you learn Jesus Christ is Lord, He is the stage director, He is the producer, He is everything, and you have this small little role to play in the huge production that God has already written, by the way. We don't have anything to fear, anything to be uptight about right now. The world has a lot to be uptight about right now, okay? They have a whole lot to fear. But God has already written this entire masterpiece. And the, the biggest objective in life is to find out what He wants you to do and do it. Okay, I've even heard recently a person tell me, and I've seen this happen, I've actually witnessed this happening in people's lives, where they'll come to someone, a person who's got a mission, and say, God told me I should do this for you. And, and then a while later, when God does everything that, that they said needed to be done in order for them to be able to do this, it's like, God told me to do this. It's going to be impossible. He'll have to do this, 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 and this to get it done. And then they return later and say, you won't believe this. He did it all within 24 hours, and I couldn't imagine that it would be possible. And then let me just tell you the punchline of this. Then they say, I'm going to have to really consider this now. Bad mistake. Bad mistake. You need to listen to the Lord and do what He says. If you make a mistake, He'll make it up to you. He will never drop you, okay? And by the way, he does call people to be martyrs. He actually calls people. He actually called his one and only begotten son to die on a cross, okay? So the way that we would write the story is not at all the way that he would write the story. The way that he has written the story, and it's already got a conclusion. And we're living it right now. And it's just amazing to me that I had such a small role to play, okay? Part of my role was to go out into the world and meet a bunch of people in churches that my husband was serving after I saw him cry his heart out, that God called him to do that. Then we met. There are people in this room right now that we started meeting back then, okay? God actually called you to be a part of this children's home as much as he called us to it. And it's been amazing to watch him at work. He is real, he's supernatural, and he loves to reveal himself to his children. And the only way you ever get to see that is if you're obedient to him and doing his will. He promised to supply us with everything we need to accomplish his will, okay? He will give you everything you need to accomplish his will, not our will. That's one of my very favorite expressions right now is, Your kingdom come, 
your will be done. Amen. When the whole COVID thing and all, I just keep saying that over and over again, okay? So, anyway, I am extremely grateful to the Lord for the role He gave me to play and the fact that He's helped me hone my skills in learning how to obey Him, okay? Um, I haven't always done it right, but it's amazing. I, I would love to be able to talk to you all night, but thank you so much. Thank you, baby. That was wonderful. I want to tell just a couple of stories to illustrate what I was referring to earlier about the way that God went ahead of us over and over and over, not only in, in providing the funds for the homes, but for example, when only the first home had been promised, and uh, I shared with the church in Atlanta that, you know, the, that we had the funds to build the first house, and a fellow who had recently come to faith in Christ asked me if I'd please come with my family to his home for Sunday dinner after church because he wanted to uh, feed us and visit with us before we moved out of town. And so we went, and sitting there in his home, he said, uh, I understand you, you have the funds for the first home. And I said, yes, that's right. And he said, does that include furniture and appliances? I hesitated a moment, not because I didn't know the answer to the question, but because I was embarrassed that I hadn't thought about the question before, okay? And I said, no, actually, that does not include furniture and appliances. And he said, well, good, because my wife and I want to provide all the furniture and appliances for the first house. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. So he did that. When the second house was funded, he contacted me and he said, Jim, uh, are you supposed to tithe on the net or the gross? And I said, well, do you want to be blessed on the net or the gross? <laughs> and he said, oh, okay, okay, I got it. So he said, he said, we need to give some more money. Do you have the furniture and appliances for the second house? I said, no, we don't. He said, we want to do that. So he did that. Furniture and appliances for the first two houses from a guy that God put it on his heart before I even realized we are going to need that, Okay. I also didn't realize all the decisions you have to make when you're serving as the general contractor of the first two houses. It turns out there are many, 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 many decisions to be made, and God went before us over and over and over. I would negotiate the best deal that I could and feel very good about myself. It would fall apart on more than one occasion, and God would provide a better deal. I'm just telling you, over and over and over, God said, well, that was good, but now watch this. I want to tell you, very much in line with what Susan said, God's got it covered. He doesn't just have it covered for the ranch. He's got it covered for you. He knows what you need. He will, as she said, provide everything you need to do His will. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Don't get focused on the thing. What, what do I need to do to get all these things, God? You need to stop seeking the things. You need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And God will provide everything you need to do his will. Dealing with a lot of young adults, I'm frequently asked the question, how do you discern God's will? You and Susan clearly have, you know, had this remarkable path where, you know, God guided you and so forth. How do you discern God's will? My counsel is simple. 
every day write God a blank check. Every day. Just say, God, I'm yours. This day is yours. Everything I've got is yours. You take charge. Do what you want with my life. Do what you want with my day. Do what you want with my money. It's all yours. And if you will do that, God will do whatever it takes to keep you in his will. We're the sheep. He's the shepherd. He is good at his job. Okay? So it's going by fast. Don't miss out by seeking other things. Seek the Lord. Yield your life to him fresh every day. And you'll be amazed. Amazed. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.